All right, Parashat Mishpatim, we're going to focus on the end of Parashat Mishpatim, page 150, that's Perek Kafdale, that's the very end of the Parashat. Parashat Mishpatim, by and large, describes the interpersonal laws that, according to our tradition, because of where it's written, were given at Har Sinai, just like the Ten Commandments and all of the 613 mitzvot. But the very end of Parashat Mishpatim brings us back to a description of Har Sinai, and there's a debate about these last several Pesukim, when they really took place. If you're reading it chronologically, it took place, hi, no problem, it took place after the giving of the Torah. If you read it through the prism of others, like Rashi, so this took place beforehand. That sort of detail shouldn't and won't bog us down that much. It's significant to read them as a passage, it seems in my mind, irrespective of exactly when it took place. But that's really what we're going to be focused on. But this class will... Uh, we weren't certain if you were coming. Well, didn't start on purpose without you. Um, the class will, however, return to the theme to a certain extent of last week. So let me, without getting into the details of last week, actually supplementing it, and Beatrice, perfect timing, because the inspiration for the initial point in this is from your comment in the class last week. Parashat Yitro, uh, from the description of Ma'amad Har Sinai, but even beforehand, seems to be, we were suggesting, focusing on Torah, the reception of Torah, is not merely the, accept, the reception of law, of Jewish law, or of Torah law, but as an engagement in a relationship with God. To the extent that, for example, this was uh, someone pointed out to me after the class, he said that um, Yitro is described in the first chapter of last week's parasha some eight times, really redundant as Hoten Moshe. He's consistently repeated as the father-in-law of Moshe. The father, we, we know it's his father-in-law. And not only that, his initial statement to Moshe is, uh, I am your father-in-law, and I'm together with your wife and your two sons. Uh, that's a little funny as well, that that's being articulated in the text. Unless Yitro is the initial inspiration, as the Torah has it, to Moshe about what it means to develop a relationship, about not just being a lawgiver, but being a person who understands law as a mode, as a mechanism to develop a relationship, as an example, as a silly example. Imagine being married and governing every discussion, every involvement with your spouse based on a book of laws. Um, one second, you said that, let me discuss with my, let me consult with my handy law book as to how to respond. That's not a relationship at all. A relationship necessitates a certain intuition, a certain understanding of the other within general principles and laws. So that's perhaps what Yitro inspired, and in truth, and Beatrice, this was a point you made, Yitro's vision of the law system, uh, which is somewhat novel, very audacious, is one in which the people line up or step in front of you, Moshe, embodying, so to speak, the conduit directly to God, to get the law. That's why they come to you. That's what you told me. Here's what I think it should be instead. And listen to the Pesukim. We didn't stress it after you said it last week. Uh, God, um, excuse me, Yitro says to his son-in-law, uh, Moshe, I think it should be structured differently. Let me tell you how it can be instead. Vayomer hoten Moshe elav. You don't need to be following with us. Just listen to it. Father-in-law again of Moshe. Of Moshe, that's who he is. He's defined by his relationship, not merely as a person. Lo That's not a good idea. You're going to wither. Listen to my suggestion. Uh, you 
should do the following. You'll be, you'll continue to be a certain conduit to God. But listen, you should Moshe instruct the people of the laws in a general sense. Give them a perspective of the derech, of the direction, of the path, of the journey, which they'll walk upon. That's not what they had been coming for until then. The system that Moshe had been running was one in which, you have a question? I know you're living your life. Come, I'll give you the answer to it. You need to know what, why don't you look that up in Google? You're uncertain exactly what, why don't you speak to the specialist? Instead, Yitro through a development of a relationship, which means understanding it, letting it become a part of your being, suggests to Moshe, instead of all that face-to-face interaction where you give them the direct answer, let the people struggle with this a little. Last week, Erica didn't like the word struggle, so I'll replace the word struggle with let the people walk on the path a little bit. That's what a relationship is. So to try to encapsulate that discussion, it is that our relationship with one another, our relationship with God, should not be governed by the world as we know it today. This direct, I have an issue, here's the prescription. I'm uncertain what to do, here's what you do. Instead, why don't you walk down this path, feel it out a little bit, see how that works. That's very much what Yitro introduced to Moshe and what we suggested B'nai Israel were struggling with at Har Sinai. They wanted direct conversation with God instead of something a little bit more indirect which would give them more of an intuition, give them more of an experience. Go ahead, Rakan. I think it was with Moshe. He didn't really grow up with like this relationship. You know, he didn't have a family, but like he was living in Carol's home. He was probably confused there also. And also he's a leader of the people. And he doesn't have like he don't have all these daughters and he has a nice family. We probably understand more of like a, Fascinating. You know? Fascinating. So you're suggesting Moshe didn't have a normal the way the Torah describes it, a normal relationship perspective. He sees things very potentially black and white. For Moshe, it's the information I'm giving to them. It's also his relationship with God. His relationship with God is very direct. He's the one who sees, so to speak, God face to face. A great point. So I want to bring us now to, again, as I said, to Perek Kafdalit to Parashat Mishpatim. Can you discuss why this happens now, the Mishpatim is here? So I didn't discuss per se as to why it's here, but I do want to... We, we did discuss what it is, and this will touch upon that. Mishpatim talks about these interpersonal relationship issues. Now, it's not per se constructive relationship, but it is, I'm engaged with people. It is a derech hasheyeh Do you follow? In other words, you may have experienced ma'amad har Sinai. You may have seen and felt or even heard more specifically God at har Sinai. Understand that this Torah is about your life. It's not just about observing law, which will be confined to that situation or another. It will take place when you're outside and you see your friend's donkey on the floor. Uh, I guess translated as your friend's car broken down uh, today, right? In other words, so Mishpatim very much follows up Parashat Yitro in that respect by saying, do not box in this law to assume it is only law. This law is the path which you will walk upon. A relationship with God, a relationship with yourself and others will be defined by rules and laws, but 
There's a lot in between. There's a lot of real life in between. Well, that brings us to the end of the parasha. So the end of the parasha, again, as I said, according to Rashi, the psukim we're about to read, bring us back to before the Torah was given. In Muqtam Muhabba Torah, we're about to read what happened in the past. For one reason or another, transplanted to here. According to many of the other Mephashim, Ramban and Ibn Ezra and Rashbam, uh, this takes place chronologically. This is after the Torah was given. I don't think that'll change much in terms of the description of what happens over here. So I want to just point out two psukim and then read a little bit more in order to kind of uh, drive home the point. First, Pasuk Gimal. Pasuk Gimal is a description after Moshe going up a mountain, going up Har Sinai, but again, either to get the Torah or after the Torah to just you know, go up and be there with God a little bit afterwards and receive the Luchot. So the Pasuk says that Vayavo Moshe he repeats to the people all the words of God and the mishpatim. Yeah, and the most simple way of reading those words, mishpatim, is a reference to everything we just read, all the relationship stuff. Rashi, who has this taking place before the Torah was given, writes, well, this is the laws that we knew already, the Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noah. Shabbat, it's the laws that we've already encountered in the Torah. It's difficult. Mishpatim, we're in the parashah of Mishpatim. Sounds like that's what he's describing. Okay, either way, it certainly reads nicer, easier, if it's the Mishpatim, or the laws interpersonal that we had until now. Vaya'an kol ha'am kol echad vayomeru. And the entire nation, as one, in unison, responds, responds, kol ha'devarim asher diber Adonai na'ase. Everything that God has spoken we will do. Now we're waiting for the word vinishma. We're so familiar with that. But this is the initial response. The initial response is, we will do. The Naseh vinishma reference. And these words, by the way, were in Parashat Yitro as well. We had the same words. You go four pesukim down. Pasuk Zayin. Same page. 150. Moshe takes a book of covenant. What's written in it? Probably, according to uh, the interpretation, this is after the Torah was given. Well, all these mishpatim, all these interpersonal things, and the Ten Commandments, probably as well. And this time, and according to Rashi, well, other stuff, but it's a book of covenant. Vayikra ha'am. He reads it in the ears of the people. Vayomeru, their response is, Kol diber Adonai na'asev nishma. This time they respond, we'll do and we will listen. Now, I'm not interested in focusing today on the ordering. The rabbis are very focused on the ordering, na'aseh before nishma. Not my objective. My objective is to focus on the word nishma, just to listen. To listen is mentioned once, and the other two times it's just to do. And there's one significant difference in terms of the sequence of events between the will do and the will listen and will do. And that is the Pasuk I just read. Whereas until now, what's that? Be'ozneha Am, he's speaking to them, great. I mean, but they did hear in the past, it's what he's reading to them. He's reading a book to them. He has a book in front of him, a Sefer Haberit, and he's presenting to them this Sefer Haberit. And the difference between a Sefer Haberit, a book that you and I, and an English teacher should be able to appreciate this, can discuss and realize within it the depth and a lecture which is just presenting information directly is the difference between finding myself in the text 
and saying, Nishma, I'll listen. We'll talk again about listening versus seeing. And I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. Again, until this moment, the Torah has described utterances, direct visions, realities of laws that were spoken at the people, so to speak. Their response, whatever you tell us, we'll do. Now, I'm giving you an opportunity. Now I'm telling you, I'd like you to find yourself in this. I'd like this to be a book of covenant. I'd like to make a relationship here. I'd like to work together. I return again to the theme of throughout the Torah and life, the difference between sight and listening. Sight is direct. Sight is everything that's in front of me is taken in immediately. Listening requires that I be more creative, that I be more perceptive. Uh, To give you the example, I walk into this room and the lights are on. I see each of you in front of me. I know exactly where you are, exactly who you are. The lights are off. I have to listen carefully. I'm not sure how many people are here. I'm not sure who's here listening. And as a result, I'm paying a lot more attention to you than if I see you listening their response over here has a certain depth to it. They're effectively saying, we're not just going to do any longer, we're going to do while listening, while trying to interpret this, while trying to live this. Go ahead, sorry. I just would think it'd be the opposite. With the direct utterances, there they needed to listen because there's nothing concrete. But here, when you have the book... I gotcha, but let me, let me restate utterances. Utterances were not actually heard per se, they were prophetically experienced. Does that change it for you? Don't forget the words at Har Sinai were Vayar kol ha'am et ha'kolot. They saw the sounds. In other words, the description of Har Sinai, even when you're listening, that's why I gave you the lecture, because you don't see the lecturer per se. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to you, but he's not leaving any room, uh, a law lecture for your experience. He's telling you, this is the law, and here's how you apply it. Okay, got it. I'll either listen or I won't listen. Over here, here's a book of Berit. Here's what I want to do. I want to develop this together with you. So the rabbis get very excited about this pasuk, as do we, but for good reason. It's not just, it's actually, ironically, my message here is the opposite of the traditional interpretation. Traditional interpretation is na'asev and ishma means, well, listen to whatever you tell us, just give us the details later. Now, the alternative reading that we're suggesting, we're in. But now we get the opportunity to listen. Now there's part of, of ourselves as, as, as part and parcel of this, of this system, of this experience. I'm suggesting, you know, the truth is there's a statement of the Hachamim, which is a somewhat mysterious one. And they state that, uh, The covenant that God established with Am Yisrael was specifically, It's on Torah Shiba'al Peh. What is Torah Shebaal Peh? Torah Shebaal Peh is the oral tradition. What's the oral tradition? The oral tradition is every interpretation that's found in the pages of Talmud and Mishnah and Midrash, as well as everything you and I discuss on a consistent basis. The covenant of God with Am Yisrael was established, says this mysterious statement, through the oral tradition of Torah, in contrast to the words on the page in front of us. Why so? Because the oral tradition is the tradition by definition that we speak 
and listen and try to intuit and understand what's this text saying to me. I become a part of the experience. I apply my own creativity in, in interpreting the Pesukim. That's covenantal. That's something that I feel I'm engaged in. I, you know, I, just by means of... Uh, I, I remember I was part of a system once where they were looking in some institution to come up with a mission statement. And so initially, they just had a select few members of the institution determining the mission statement. I was, in a silly way, a part of it because anyone who knows me, I'm not good at that. I don't do I, I, I do what I do. I, I'm very into it once it exists. Then I could point, I can't come up with it. And we have to debate the comma over here or the sentence. So I made fun of it the whole time thrown off that committee but ultimately speaking true story ultimately speaking it was opened up to the whole institution which i thought was very significant because it gave then every person who was involved i'm a part of this this is my covenantal bond my relationship with this inst i understand who i am i was a part of determining and explaining what we stand for what i'm a part of I believe that's what this Sefer HaBerit is. You couldn't finish Ma'amad Har Sinai without a covenant. Ma'amad Har Sinai without a bond would have been a dry law system. It would have been do, and that's what they promised they would do. They'd be living these dry lives as soldiers in God's army, experiencing no conversation, no, no real-life experiences together with him. Go ahead. It's also the lesson of listening, like, I think that we always get that listening is the most powerful thing, but the people who talk less listen more. Um, it's just like, I feel like a tool that... For oh, sure. We learned to say in parenting, like you're telling us that the mother, like Dale uh, Carnegie, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of his things was about listening, that you develop relationships more when you can learn to listen and speak less, which... Sure. I described in another class, different context, a few weeks ago, how I sat through this, I called it um, Torah Psychology Group Session. I don't know if you remember. Yesterday, was it yesterday? Tuesday. Two days ago, uh, the father of the person who did it then, a different rabbi, Rabbi Dov Zinger from Israel, was there. And it was double the size group. It was some 20 educators in the room with a rabbi, with an hour and a half spot. I was certain, I was certain, certain this would fail. We started at 2.30 and we finished at 4.40. So two hours and 10 minutes in a room where there was no rules that you can't use your cell phone, but it's very inappropriate to use your cell phone as this is going on with no clear objective, it seemed to me. Like, I didn't know what we were there to listen to or to be a part of. And the answer is we weren't there to listen to anything specific. We were there to listen to one another. We had to sit in a circle, you know, back to like kindergarten, sit in a circle in utter silence in the room as you focused on each person while they opened their mouth and suggested something. Now, no, it was an amazing, it, it, it's crazy that, I, I hate to say it like, it's crazy, I'm going to tell you in a second, it's crazy that this is novel. It's crazy this is novel, but it is. How often do you sit with other people and just listen to one another? And that's all we did, which is quietly listen to one another. It was, again, I'm not fully certain the whole scheme of things. The purpose is to grow as educators with one another and then with students. And really, what has emerged for me in terms of listening. That's, that's pretty much it. So, so we did, but in the following way. I, I, I promise you, this was the exercise 
50 to an hour, minutes to an hour of, the, of, of this was the following exercise. Open up to the parashahs, Jewish educators, right? Torah educators. Find a pasuk that speaks to you. You need to now repeat it twice, the first time just reading, the second time emphasizing just the way you read it, and then giving a 30-second to minute-and-a-half interpretation of why this is significant. But don't just say it. Focus on, on one person. Say, I'm speaking to you, Beatrice. Say it to you, and then you, need, you would have thought it's awkward. You would have thought it's overwhelming. You would have thought someone, someone, a room of 20, 25 people, someone was going to say, I don't have something. Everyone spoke. You pick one person. The person, after hearing it, needs to give a response. So you could give a thumbs up. You could say thank you. You could say... It worked beyond perfectly, but again, it and, and in the in the final moment, as you talk about, you know, what you got out of it, a lot of people, men and women together, it would have failed if it was all men. No, that's it. Was, no, but it, there was it was an amazing experience for me, and I'm sure. What's that? I didn't zone out, but I felt like I was gonna fall asleep, not because I was zoned out, because I was so calm. I was so calm, but I was so plugged in and so attuned to what was going on. I think everyone was, but again, more than anything, to, to speak, to listening, that's what it was. It was an exercise in listening. What's that? I said, thank you very much. Just that. No, because people gave the thumbs up. I said, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Mine, the person said to me, that was very enlightening or something like that. That was very interesting. But in short, it wasn't these pesukim even. Um, in short, what it was, to, to say it in a sentence, it was an exercise in listening, which therefore brought forth a certain solidarity, a certain experience and relationship amidst the teachers that were there. It, again, it's not simple to do that with students who are high school or whatever age afterwards. I'm not certain exactly how that, but with adults, when there is a two-hour time slot in a day and age when we can't sit for more than two minutes, uh, that that worked is only because we were forced to listen. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting that you're talking about the whole school being a mission statement, because if that's what this is, that everybody's a part of it, you kind of are obligated to do it. If you were part of creating, I agree. So that's what I'm suggesting to our point. Again, Torah Shiba'alpeh means open the book and give your interpretation. You're not going to be part of this now. You just interpreted the words. Moshe reads to them a book and says to them, guys, these are the words of God. No doubting that. What's your interpretation? You're going to interpret it and then say, but the heck with it. You're interpreting, you're a part of it. You're saying how it speaks to you. You're understanding course you're being genuine you're not just doing your own biases uh, if that's the case then that's fake but but yeah i i, I believe and that's that's what this torah pib i and there is this age-old question how have jews been so successful over the course of, or not successful have they stayed alive over the course of thousands of years when so many other nations have disappeared so many other nations with great law systems with great legal systems that were built and and and, and orchestrated uh, the jewish nation somehow kept it i've been convinced and i've heard the statement that the point made more than once it's because the mode of learning the mode of study is one that engages Every person, you don't need to be in Yerushalayim, seeing God, so to speak, in the Beit Hamikdash. As a matter of fact, you might ironically find a relationship, ironically, at points that's greater when you're not there, when you're in the darkness and having to listen to Him. I believe that's what this pasuk is very much stating for us yesterday. Also, I think that's a 
it's religion. Like some people are just like, just do it, just do it, and like that's their mentality. And other people are like, no, like we should ask questions. So what I'm suggesting 100% is the nishma is that part. It's not inappropriate questions. It's not questions that are challenging with the intent of, you know, beating it, defeating it. It's questions because this is a birit, this is a covenant. And as a result, I want to just move from that to a very mysterious next passage over here. Because you go from birit, birit is covenant, and Moshe, even the pesukim describe, I don't need to read the details, he then takes blood, which was a way of covenantal connectedness and sprinkles it on the people. He takes it from these basins, from these aganot, and there's a sacrifice. All old school Torah covenantal acts. But then, Vaikah Moshe, excuse me, right after this. Oh, we'll read that. Vaikah Moshe in Pasuk Het et Adam Vayizrok al Ha'am. There's that blood from slaughtering and he sprinkles it on the people. Vayomer hine dam haberita shekarat an raimachem al kol hadevarim ha'ele. The covenant was established through and for these words. Moshe then ascends the mountain, together with some others. Next pasuk. Pause. They see, it's a reference to everyone but Moshe, or at the very least to some of those others. Who else went? Aharon, Nadav, Avihu, and the 70 elders. They see Elohei Israel, God. Cryptic, hard to understand description. They obviously don't see something physical. They see something. Last word, most important, la tohar. Tohar, how do they translate it? Purity, pristine. These people, Nadav Avihu, the sons of Aharon, maybe the Zekenim as well, at the very least we usually attribute this to Nadav and Avihu. doesn't matter who it is specifically. They see God, you might say, we might express, what a wonderful experience. Fantastic. They hit the apex. They, they, they ascended and saw, and then the Pasuk says strangely, which means, how do they translate it? The great men of the children of Israel. The great men, God doesn't outstretch his hand. There's no simple interpretation to this, but the traditional interpretation is God withholds his wrath in this moment. What wrath? Why would you be angry? You came and you looked at me. Was that a problem? Were you not allowed to look at me? Was there something wrong with that? Unless, unless, in light of what we just, no pun intended, in, in lieu of what we just suggested, that this is about a relationship. This is not about a, a direct, uh, unencumbered, uh, this is who you are, tell me right now and let me go. This is, you're not supposed to be looking directly at me. You're supposed to be guessing a little bit that this was not right. I know you might have risen to that point, but that's, that, that's not the way this is supposed to be governed. This is supposed to be guessing. This is supposed to be, not in the negative sense, but I'll say it again, struggling. Grappling. This is supposed to be grappling, walking upon a path. This is supposed to be a nishma. You've turned this again into a system of na'aseh. You've turned this into a system where you turned on the lights. The lights weren't supposed to be on. Your relationship with me is so much deeper, so much more real, says God, as do we to one another when we're listening to the other. When I can listen to you, as opposed to when it's all spelled out. When I listen to you, I hear your true self. When I look at you, I see whatever you're presenting to me. I, it becomes mechanical. That's the description as I have. They see God. 
Vayochlu vayishtu, enigmatic, mysterious words at the end there as well, and they eat and they drink, positively or negatively. Many interpret it, they are so excited, they're so happy, so they're partying and they're eating and drinking. Ramban says maybe because they received the Torah, maybe alternatively, it's just too, you don't do that with God. They became too, they became inappropriately engaged with him because they were too comfortable, they, they were looking directly, there was no, there was no mystique. The mystique, the veil was lifted, and, and as a result, they lost an appreciation for what this was. That's a great question. In other words, it's, maybe one is more general. Vayiru, they saw, and then Vayahezu, they specifically peered, you know, something along those lines. But it's very much, I believe, in light of a passage that just stressed hearing, well, the negative here is the sight. We've been trying to get you away from sight. We've been trying to get you to Vayishma Yitro, hearing and attaching to relationship with family. We had Ma'amad Harsina. You guys said to me, forgot what happened. I mean, again, maybe this happened before, but let's say it happened after. Either way, remember what happened at Harsina? We read these psukim last week. They said, you speak to us, Moshe. We fear we'll die if we continue, quote, looking at God, hearing it directly from God. Um, in short, I, I believe that this is what is uh, is crystallizing this relationship bit. It comes in Parashat Mishpatim very tellingly. It comes in Parashat Mishpatim because it speaks to the people and says, this is not only going to be experienced with me on the mountain. This is going to be experienced with me uh, throughout your lives. In everything that you're doing, you're going to be gleaning, you're going to be seeking, you're going to be fu- hearing my voice in every encounter. Finally, the end of the parasha. There's an instruction to Moshe, rise the mountain, and I'm going to give you these tablets, and these tablets will have the law. I find that perhaps related as well. I didn't just give you a book of Berit, of Covenant, I'm giving you as well tablets. Read these tablets, look at these tablets, understand what they represent. And last, last, last mention that in my mind is very, uh, very telling. Moshe makes his way up. Yehoshua waits for him at the bottom of the mountain. And then Pasuk Yodalin says, Ve'el hazekeni mama. Moshe now turns to the elders, the leaders. Shivu lanu bazer. Could you wait with the people? We're on our way up to the top of the mountain. Until we come back. Pause for a second. Mary's not here this week. But Mary remembers this is the moment where everything will fall apart. Remember, this is what's going to lead to Heta Egel. The people can't stand just listening. They need some sight. Moshe, where are you? 40 days? I mean, come on. I, I know you want us to be on this journey. But Dachilak, I mean, we have a journey and we have no idea where we're going. We're exasperated at a certain point. I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard anything. That, that's what we're shaping up for. But listen to what he says to them. But again, a very telling disappearance from Moshe. I'll disappear so you have to listen. I'll disappear so there is no sight and vision and direct law. I'm leaving behind for you Aharon and Hur. Mi ba'al devari mi gash alehim. Which means to say, whoever has a law issue should go to them. 
I found that so interesting. You're describing, I mean, I, I'm bidding you farewell. Yes, I was a lawmaker, but I'm bidding you farewell. I'll see you in 40 days. I'm going to tell you, maybe it's appropriate, but the fact that it's designated in Pesukim is very telling. Um, before I go, just to understand, here's how the system's going to run and be governed while I'm gone. Speak to them. In other words, back to Yitro. That's why I began the class with Yitro. Back to Yitro. You guys didn't need to and shouldn't be just talking to me. That's too direct. I'm going to disappear. I'm going to leave you for 40 days. And you guys are going to intuit. I'm going to let you play this out. I'm going to walk out of the classroom and let you guys discuss this amongst each other. I want you to do group work now. I want you to work on this. I'll be back. I'll answer questions if you have them afterwards, right? Never works. Never works. It didn't work with them. Doesn't work with me. No, of course it didn't work. Of course they freak out. No, we need more guidance. We need you holding our hand. And they did. And most students do. But there's a little bit of a careful balance. The mention, though, again, of anyone who has a law dispute really brings me back to Yitro. You have a law dispute, go to that. Go to them. That's right. Didn't you know we set up a system? It's called the relationship system. No, I thought it's a law system. It's a law system which engages all of you in this conversation. It brings you into a bidit, into this conversation. And then the Pesukim finally describe, again, not too important for this class per se, but the ascension of Moshe, the ascension of Moshe to a place where there's an esh ochelet. There's a consuming fire at the top of the mountain. Moshe is walking, so to speak, into a consuming fire while everyone just watches from afar, Moshe can go and be unharmed by a consuming fire. Everyone else needs to stand back. Everyone else needs to have an anan. Everyone else needs to have a certain concealed, hidden nature in a developed or a continuously developing relationship with God. In short, Parashat Mishpatim stated briefly, and contrary to the typical uh, message of Na'aseh v'nishma, we'll just do, and then explain to us if you need to, I would love to, afterwards is much more significant. Forget about the ordering. Na'aseh is v'nishma, and it comes three pesukim after, three sentences after they just said na'aseh. It's interjected or it's, it's separated by, Moshe says, this is a covenant, guys, and I'm bringing you a book. Can, can you be a part of writing this mission statement? So they totally failed only because it's too much too quickly. They only failed because I can't entirely walk out of the room and assume my students can do this. But, and again, this is, as a teacher, I can tell you, so you scaffold and you train them more and you stay in the room, we do with our children, you can't entirely allow your three-year-old to go make eggs. I don't think, maybe Rachel can, but like, you, you can't, but you can bring them along to mix the eggs while you're preparing it, and they're watching it, and over time, you can then be watching them and doing and so on and so forth. So what I'm saying is, is they fail only because, now, you might ask, and it's a good question, then why'd we do it too much too fast? And so that one, thankfully, Erica's not here to kill me again on this one. That's because the Torah consistently and constantly puts us in failed situations for a build-up. We had it in the Gan Eden, we have it in the Midbar, we have it at literally every single segment in time. There's too much, too fast, so that you have to scale it back and realize what you want. You're in it, you got it, you're where you're supposed to be, but I can't handle it. 
So now let me work backward and let me travel through a desert. Have a derech, bamidbar, some 40 years. In short, that Sefer Haberit for me is the solution to it all. It's Sefer HaMishpatim, it's Parashat Mishpatim. These laws which you think are just governed by Bet Din are really what this is all about. It's about living this in your life. It brings us back to Yitro's mission to Moshe. It comes back to hearing the law as opposed to just seeing it. Yes, Beatrice. Very interesting. I, I'll tell you how I read that, though, but it's a very interesting point. No, I'll tell you how I read it. Beach is just pointing out if we're talking about hearing, 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 and that's where you got the people, why are we ending the parasha with sight? But listen to what the sight is. The sight is, that's why I read it, um, but maybe, maybe it's not good enough. The sight is a consuming fire. It means I'm not close to that side. It means I don't actually, I don't feel comfortable with that side. It's not what the Atzileb in Israel, it's, I don't have any clarity on that. I'm scared. I'm jolted backwards. I'm seeing it from a distance. Moshe goes into that. So you're right. And, and, and if anything, maybe it's even making the point. Maybe this is your point. I'm guessing. Um, maybe this is the introduction to Hayata Ego. They're looking up at it. They, oh my goodness, Moshe went up there. What, what do you think is up there? Maybe we can walk up there. Maybe we can see something like that. Where, no, guys, back off. Listen, build your own system separate from Moshe from now. You'll, he'll come back. He'll give you instruction as necessary. So maybe that's even the beginning of the failure in that respect. But alternatively, and maybe more simply, they don't actually see there. There's no sight of, there's no clarity of sight. There's, there's sight of some consuming, scary, ominous fire at the top. All right, in short, just to state it clearly, nothing we don't know already, but that experience I had two days ago, the experience we can and all should have as parents and as spouses and as human beings in this world, as sentient human beings, to listen. It happened two days ago. That's why it's fresh on my mind. It's so real to me. As, as, as people who care about one another, as people who care about developing ourselves with one another, just doing, just understanding, because you need to just tell it to me as it is, and let's move past this, will never be successful. That won't develop a depth of relationship. It doesn't mean you need to have the fall and the bad times and the difficult, tragic times, it does mean you need to train yourself to be na'ase v'nishma, not just a na'ase experience, a relationship, a choten moshe, a, uh, your wife, your two children, we're a part of this together, a sefer haberit, parashat mishpatim, pulls it all together for us. Reception of the Torah, a relationship with God, much like a relationship in general, is about developing our ability to hear in all senses of that word and sense, as opposed to the direct vision, sight, that we're so accustomed to.